All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. everybody thank you for joining us here another episode of dropping the gloves happy easter i took a little easter break there tim tim did a solo episode you did fantastic tim i was uber impressed it was short but very concise jam-packed with information what do you think thank you gonna, no i thought you it was leave me in the dust okay it was it was just it would be nice to know ahead of time if you were taking time off that's all i'll say that's did I not? Did I not let you know? <laughs> not Friday or Monday, actually. So yeah, I'm not great with uh, spreading information. Monday was a shocker because I I literally got up thinking I was going to work, and my wife said, "No, you're not. You're staying home." And I was like, "All right, looks like I'm staying home." <laughs> let's let's just turn our text into a group chat with Danielle, so I'm always kind of in the loop. Not even a group chat, just directly go to her, go to the source. And I tell everybody this because people will ask me, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? You want to, can we do this? I'm having a poker night. You want to come over? Can we, you know, this, that? I'm like, don't, don't ask me. It's not up to me. I don't know what we're doing with my life. I literally ask hour to hour, what are we doing tonight? What are we doing tomorrow? I guess day to day. So I'll wake up. What do we got tonight? And she'll tell me. It's a very liberating type of thing where you just have no control people always think and this is where i had to learn this people try to control everything because they think it makes them freer i can do all this like i'm in control of this this and this and this and this and then you're a slave to just being in control i i, I have no control over anything and it's the most freeing sense tim i ca- i don't have a like i don't all i have to make sure is there's money in the bank and there's food in the fridge not even food in the fridge because i don't buy money in the bank and I protect the house. That's all I got to do. Everything else, I just don't. It's not on my radar whatsoever. That's it. It's such a freeing feeling. Not to sound all like uh, fancy spanchy, but Aristotle talked a lot about that. So I think what you're saying is deeper than you realize. Good for you. Who is that? <laughs> he was some guy. I don't know. <laughs> China, kidding. I think. No, it, it's a very, it goes, it's, it's, yeah. It, it, there's a whole, yeah, there's lots of people that talk about it. But anyways. Sorry. I wasn't here. I apologize. But we're back. It's a Tuesday. Tim's going on the road. So we figured we do one Tuesday, maybe Thursday, maybe Friday and make up for the lost lost shows because there's a lot to talk about. There's there's really a lot of milestones going down. Guys getting thousand points, guys getting 100 points, breaking the 150 point plateau, single season records being broken. 
it's been a pretty big weekend for records. My guy Pavs gets a thousand. That was very impressive. Giroux gets a thousand on the same night, by the way. Very impressive by him. Doesn't happen that often anymore. What? I think it's more common to see a thousand games than a thousand points. So it's, it's a pretty big milestone. The one thing I don't understand is why does the whole team have to come out and congratulate him? Is, is that something that's always been, I guess I've never been on a team with a guy who's gotten a thousand points. Is it normal? Does that, does that happen all the time? Like in baseball, if a guy gets a big miles, you know, when LeBron set the points mark and they shut the game down, I didn't like that. It's like, finish the game. Why are we stopping everything just because you scored some points? Keep the game going. Well, what LeBron is a different category, but you'll see guys like break a, a hits record, a home run record in baseball. The team greets them at home plate, but they don't they don't really stop the game. It's just an extra maybe minute or so. Same with hockey. Like they'll come on the ice and celebrate, congratulate them, and then they move on. But yeah, it is kind of cool that they did it in the same. There's a lot of we- records broken this weekend, like you said. Connor McDavid has 150 points. He's the fifth, sixth player to ever do it. Um, obviously, Gretzky did it many times. Lemieux did it a handful of times too. But really special territory there. Uh, Iserman, Esposito, Bernie Nichols are the other guys who have done it. And then the Bruins set a record: most wins in a single season with 63, two games to play. They're two points away from the points record. Um, and then in that same night, Pasternak scores 60th goal. I think he ended up with 61 or 62 because he had a hat trick, which was also his 300th goal of his career. So like all these things combining all at once is pretty cool. See, is there an asterisk next to the Bruins 63 wins because of the way overtime works now? Because back before the overtime got revamped with the shootout with the necessary winner, someone has to get two points. There was ties. So does that taint it a little bit or is this kind of the like in baseball with the home run mark where we know mcguire and sosa were juicing barry bonds they have the mark but everybody kind of just thinks okay you know what it's still roger maris or maybe it's aaron judge now so is is does this have a tinge to it where it's like okay we get it you have the most points you have the most wins how many of those wins are overtime shootout wins that maybe wouldn't have been there because it was harder to get an overtime win back in the day because it was still five on five and there was no such thing as the shootout. Does that ruin it for you as a Bruins fan that me bringing that up? You're asking the wrong guy, John. It doesn't ruin it at all for me. Someone else can make that argument, but you won't hear that from me. I think it does. I think it's different. I think there should be a different set of rules, like not rules, but awards. Like, okay, pre-shootout, post-shootout. Pre steroids, post steroids. I think I think it just makes sense because everybody's like, "Oh, but they got steroids out of the game." This is a whole other podcast. They didn't get it out of the game. They're just better at hiding it. Let's not just let's just put that aside because there's lots of guys who are juicing in all these sports. Anyways, not hockey. Hockey's clean. What else is happening, Tim? Another big record. Eric Carlson had a hundredth points last night. Um, really cool. Did you see that? Big debate. Norris or no? I. I've seen this a lot lately. I honestly think, and I, I can't imagine any arguments against it. There should be two defenseman awards. I agree. Best offensive, and then you either do best all around or best defensive. But a lot of times it can be the same guy. You can make that argument. Victor Hedman, two or three years ago, was the both both of those awards, right? Um, Yossi could be both of those awards, but Eric Carlson couldn't. And so he should get a different trophy than the the Norris, I think. But not The Bobby Orr, the Bobby Orr trophy. Yeah. Perfect. Make it, 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 it makes sense. They have it for forwards. They have the Maurice Rocker Richard, most goals, and they have the Hart, which is theoretic. Hart could be a defenseman. It's usually a forward. So 
imagine if a defenseman just clean sweep scored the most goals. It'd be a beautiful thing. Be beautiful. It'll never happen again. It'll never happen again. But yes, good for Eric Carlson for what he's done. It, it is a it's a very impressive feat because when you look at that San Jose Sharks roster, teams must cue in on him, right? Because he drives their offense. That's all he does. I think out of all the goals they've scored. He's been a part of almost a third of them, if not more. So you're going to cue in on this guy, and he's still able to put up points. You don't want to be the team that gives up the 100th point the point against. So good for him. He sucks at defense. <laughs> it's just atrocious. But he's a very it's – it's, he's a very – he's a nuclear option. He's so good at offense. And it's nice to see him resurrect his career because he was down and out. No one's going to trade for him. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to be an asset, but he's fun to watch on the ice. He's he's very entertaining. He is like what makes him different from Kale McCarr? Is Kale McCarr better at defense than Eric Carlson, or yes. does Kale McCarr just have a more better security blanket than Devin Taves? Probably a little bit of both, but I think McCarr definitely is better defensively. And it's funny when he scored his hundred point last night. The first thing I thought of, well, I thought of you, and then the first thing I checked was how many points does Jack Hughes have? Because uh, the other he's one, close. he's at 96 with two games left. So very possible, um, probably not statistically. He won't get four points in two games, but very easily could. So I think he will. I hope he does. I, he, the Devils are very, very good. I think he will get 100 points. And it's just, it's good. He's he's had a fantastic year. You know who else has had a fantastic year? The Toronto Maple Leafs, they've gone under the radar. They've done exactly what they should have done this season. They had some issues with Austin Matthews early on. He had some injuries. He wasn't scoring. There was some uncertainty there. He's found his game. Mitch Marner has been fantastic throughout the whole season, set career highs and points. John Tavares has been fantastic throughout the whole season. They've done exactly what they needed to do. They flew under the radar. They've won their games. Now they enter the playoffs. Well, hold the, hold the phone. There was some little, little drama, Tim, going into the playoffs for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They just shellacked the Montreal Canadiens. What happened at the end of this game that everybody's all up in arms about? Yeah, I think this was Saturday night. Um, they had an emergency backup goalie. Uh, I forget what's going on with uh, Matt Murray or whoever their backup was, but Samsonov starts. They're up 7-1 to one late in the game against the Canadians, and I don't have it in front of me. There's like less than two minutes left, and they bring in the emergency backup goalie to to get his moment. You know, the game the game is over, is out of hand, and they just brought him in to – Help him out. Give him, give him a cool, give him a cool thing. He'll talk about for the rest of his life. Well, the Canadians didn't like it, and so nothing ended up happening in the game on the ice. And then Chris Weidman, the defenseman for for the Canadians, was interviewed, and he said he quote They'll get what they deserve in a few weeks. Talking about the the, the Maple Leafs, and the, and the obviously he's talking about them being eliminated. He's not happy. I think that they thought it was disrespectful to them to bring in an emergency backup when you didn't have to. There's nothing wrong with Samsonov. Usually those guys only get in in the direst of circumstances, but it's game, what, 80 at that point for from for both teams, I think. The game was out of hand. I didn't think it was that bad, but obviously Weidman took issue with it. What, what's your thought on this? You know, I think I'm on the side of the Leafs. If you don't want them to put the emergency goalie in, maybe don't get smoked seven to one. <laughs> maybe maybe don't make it possible for them to put the backup goalie from the University of Toronto in. Make it a competitive game. You're getting just Rick rolled 7-1. You know what I mean? Shut your mouth. You have nothing to say here, Chris Weidman. Nothing at all. You just got smoked 
So keep keep your keep your mouth shut. Like if I was the Leafs, I would throw together some kind of tweet in a, in a couple weeks of him golfing or I don't know something cheesy like that and be like, oh yeah, at least we'll be playing hockey and you'll be working on your tan or something like that. But I'm petty, and that's why people don't like me. But it's just why? Like I get it, you're disrespected, but instead of focusing on the Leafs embarrassing you maybe do some introspection and be like why are they able to embarrass me oh it's because we're losing seven to one in an nhl hockey game that's why good on the leafs i like it i thought it was a nice move classy move give this guy some nhl time he'll talk about it for the rest of his life it's a really nice moment i like when teams do this and if you don't want it to happen don't don't get beat by that much you know it's just i don't like that the, the, the problem is emblematic of players just not figuring out the real issue here. The real issue is you're a bad defenseman and you're a bad defensive hockey team and you gave up seven goals. But instead of focusing on that and being upset at your goaltender and your defense and your forwards and your coaches, you're upset at the Leafs because they put in a different goaltender. Oh, they'll get what they deserve in a few weeks. The quote should have been, we should have been better defensively. I'm sorry. That's it. So good. The Leafs should do that more. They should have just pulled the goalie and played with one player and embarrassed him even worse. Because I don't know. Chris Weidman. Who is he? It's a good question. So let's talk about um the Leafs for a second. Cause I watched I it was great. I watched only like 30 minutes of hockey last night, maybe less, and I saw a lot just because the games were at the end and a couple of them were in overtime. The Leafs beat the Panthers last night. In overtime, really close game. The Panthers did get a one point, which is which is huge for them. Crucial, yeah, yeah. But it was a weird play, and John Tavares scored the, the game winning goal in a, in a breakaway in a three on three overtime, where he it was back and forth, and he was uh, he was on the ice for like two minutes twenty seven seconds, I think. He was totally burnt out, but he still beat Matthew Kachuk to the open puck and then scored in the breakaway. And it was a weird play because Kachuk, I, I was pretty kind of critical. I was like, how the heck did he create? He wasn't even moving fast. Kachuk just wasn't hustling back on Tavares, but Kachuk in the replay, he called for the goalie lion to come out and play the puck. So he's like shouting from, from the other blue line, the length of the guys saying, come out and come out and play it. And uh, he didn't, he didn't have enough time and Tavares scored. And so the Panthers, they did get that crucial point. So they're sitting right now with 92 points, still the head of the wild card, still in that first wild card spot, but it's not looking great. They have one game left and they play the Carolina Hurricanes, who is playing for something. They want to get that first seed in the Metro because they don't have to play the Rangers. And we'll talk about the other teams too. But what do you think about the Panthers there? It is what it is. And we'll talk about it with the Flames too. This whole overtime structure, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. The three on three, it's not real hockey. I know it's exciting and it's fun early on in the season, but then when you get down to times like this where points are crucial, every point matters as we're seeing right now. And the team loses on a three on three game. I I just, I don't, I don't like it. The, the, The hurricanes, they need to win. I think they'll beat the Florida Panthers when they play and the Panthers will be out. And it's, and it's a shame because they are the hottest team in the NHL. They're playing great. It would have been fun to see them in the playoffs. I know I'm maybe changing my tone from last week, but I like what they've been doing. They've been playing really good hockey, and it would have been great to see them challenge either the Hurricanes or the Bruins. I think they could have made some waves. But right now, as it stands, I think you're right. I think they go in, they lose to the Hurricanes because the Hurricanes desperately need a win. They've lost their third straight now, and they're in shambles. I don't know what's going on in Carolina, but 
it's uh it's too bad and we see we saw it with the flames as well but yeah florida they had they had a good push you know what i mean from where they were to where they are right now and they're still first place in the wild card seating so things can happen the islanders could lose pittsburgh could lose a couple buffalo could lose it's possible but just the way things are trending the sabers are on fire Pittsburgh's been winning some hockey games. The Islanders look like they're playing fairly good hockey, and Florida has a tough last out. Whereas the Islanders get to go out to play Montreal, that's a that's a tap and win from what we've seen recently. Pittsburgh finishes up with the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets. So you think they're going to lose those two games, the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets? They're going to leap leapfrog Florida, and the outside team, the Buffalo Sabers, have been beating everybody who they have no business beating. They beat the aforementioned Carolina Hurricanes. They squeaked out a win versus the Rangers last night in a shootout. They faced the Devils, who they have no business beating, but they've just been shellacking all the top teams in the East, so why not? Then they finish up with Ottawa and Columbus. The Sabres could rally with five straight wins and get into the playoffs. It's insane. I love it. It's exactly what we predicted, because there's so many good teams in the East, it's going to come down to the last game. So I'm revamping my predictions right now. I think it'll be the Islanders and the Sabres. Those are my final two teams in the playoffs. And I think Wait. the Sabres will get the first wild card. And I think the Islanders will get the second wild card. The Penguins? You don't think they're going to beat those last two teams? I do. And they're still not going to make it? Um. Uh, let me revamp. I don't think the Penguins get in. I think they'll lose one of those games. Yeah. Okay. Buffalo, Buffalo runs. <sighs> Hold on. Yeah. This is my heart. This is my heart talking here. I want the Sabres to get in, but yeah, you're probably right. Pittsburgh will get in and the Islanders will get in. I think those will be the two teams and Buffalo will falter, but ideally I'd like to see Buffalo get in just because they'd be fun in the playoffs. They really would be. Yeah. The Islanders though, I don't think they did not play well last night and they were, they lost to the Washington Capitals, which is the team that they should be beating. They went down three, nothing early in the first and they just had no answer. And they asked. They were asked after the game. Brock Nelson spoke. Zach Parise spoke. They all said, "I don't know. Why did you guys struggle? Why can't you win this crucial game? I don't know. We don't have answers." And so that doesn't really sound like a team that has it all together. And so to not beat the Washington, who's been out of the playoffs for a couple of weeks now, and now you probably want to beat the Canadians. But even if they do, there's a solid chance that it's not enough because the Penguins win out, which I think they will. And I think the Panthers, if they can beat the Hurricanes, it's gonna. It's tough. That was a game that they needed to win, and they didn't. Meanwhile, I think Penguins, who was the only team in this group that had the night off, they're watching, and they like what they see. Islanders lose. Panthers lose. Sabres win, but they still, they're still they still a long shot. Meanwhile, Penguins, all they have to do is beat the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets. I think if they win both of those games, they automatically make the playoffs. Yeah, the Penguins win their end. That, that's their situation right now. The same with the Florida Panthers. If they win, they're in. So if they take care of their business, they're going to make the playoffs. But we'll see. Only time will tell. Hey, the East is tough. Columbus could throw up a pretty good game. Pittsburgh could be in trouble, but it will be exciting. What's going on in the West, Tim? Yeah, Winnipeg. Um, they they beat the Sharks last night, six to two, I think it was. So they're sitting at the top with ninety three points, and they basically are in a spot where they only need one more point across their final two games. So as long as they don't lose in regulation, they're going to make the playoffs. Um, but they have a couple a tough a couple of tough games with Minnesota and then Colorado. So it won't be easy. Meanwhile, I'm going to come back to Calgary in a second because I think we'll spend some time there. But Nashville. One again, they beat the Flames last night. They're at 88 points and they have two games left. The same two teams as Winnipeg. They're at 90, 90 points, Tim. Sorry, in Minnesota and Colorado. And so they, the difference is that both of those games are at home for them. Winnipeg plays both of those games on the road. So that could play a factor too. But they have the same amount of remaining games left against the same two teams. So it's kind of poetic in a way. 
But meanwhile, Calgary, with that loss, are officially eliminated from playoff contention. John, you've prepared a little bit of a statement. I haven't. It's it's really it's tough. I, I wanted them to make the playoffs and the way they went down was a microcosm of their whole season. It, it really was. They couldn't get timely goal scoring. They well, Markstrom did play good. I'll give him that. But the, they lost a goaltender battle because UC Saros was spectacular. Absolutely phenomenal. That guy for his size. The way the goaltending's going with you, you have to be above 6'4", 6'5". You have to be a certain weight in order to even show up on scouts' radars anymore. He is a fantastic, like he, I can see why they got rid of Pekka I can see why they've just focused all their energy on him because that guy, Tim, did you see some of the saves he was making? He's fantastic. He's an incredible goaltender. For a guy under six foot, that's very rare these days to be that incredibly good. You find me another goaltender in the league. Well, what's Shesterkin? He might be short too, but they're they're not very common these days. But yeah, he played great. And then they go to overtime. And it's just the whole season wrapped up in a nutshell. They stink. They get grade A chance after grade A chance. They can't bury it. They go to the shootout and they lose. They have 17, 17 overtime or shootout losses this year. 17. Do you get that? If they convert half of those, they're walking into the playoffs. That gives them almost 100 points. It's insane how bad these guys are in three-on-three in the shootout. It's it's incredible. I don't know why they can't work on it. I touched on it last week when I said they don't have any high-end skill guys who can put the puck in the net. And I think I nailed the, the hammer right on the head, the nail on the head. They don't have that guy who can score in three-on-three or a shootout when he has to. And and it's proven. If they win, Tim, if they even get a quarter of those points, they're in the playoffs. It's so maddening. Not that's even. why this. What's that? Not seventeen overtime and play and shootout losses. Thirty one goal losses this season. So if you they're they're going to miss the playoffs by probably two points, three points. If they just win. <laughs> Three more games. It's it's crazy. So it's not even a quarter. It's 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 the the frustrating thing is like it was in their control. You had a chance. It was in your control. And with the season on the line, you can't beat Vancouver and Nashville, Chicago. These teams, yeah, Chicago. These were all sellers. And yeah. I, I I get Vancouver's competitive and Nashville has surprised people, but these were these were sellers at the deadline. And you can't beat them. It's crazy. It's it's really too bad. And then going back to the shootout thing, you look at Winnipeg. They have three overtime losses. They have 11 shootout wins, overtime wins. Like, that's the difference right there. The Flames, they don't have that guy. They don't have the person who can just say, okay, lock him in. He's going to score a shootout go half the time. That's it. They don't have it. But let's get to the controversy here. So they make it to a shootout. They tie the game. Beautiful goal by Backlund. Beautiful passing play. Ties the game up. They go to overtime. They get a plethora of chances. Rasmus Anderson, I don't know how he misses an empty net. A fantastic chance. The Flames are all over him. Toffoli has a one-timer from the slot, from the hash marks. UC Saros makes an incredible save. They go to overtime. (sighs) Huberto starts. He scores. Fantastic. Who does Daryl Sutter, Tim, throw out? For his next two choices. Now, don't here. Here's the Calgary Flames lineup. You have Dylan Dubé, Tyler Toffoli, Elias Lindholm, 
You got Andrew, Andrew Maggiapani. You got Backlin. You got Kadri. You got Coleman. You got Trevor Lewis, who's been around the way. And then a couple tough guys, Nick Ritchie and Milan Lucic. Not to mention Erasmus Anderson, who's 50% in shootouts, who's pretty good himself. Noah Hannafin, Nikita Zadorov, who's got just an absolute bazooka for a shot. Troy Stetcher, who we saw earlier in the game, go posting in, who's got a missile-guided shot. You can throw him in there, kind of harken back to Ray Bork days. Who does who does he put out there, Daryl Sutter? Good old farm boy, Daryl Sutter. The first one he put out after Huberdeau was Nazem Kadri, who at that point had one <clears throat> shootout goal in five opportunities this year. So not Terrible. exactly playing the hot hand. Terrible pick. A guy who has openly vocalized how upset he is at the team and how they're being coached and how is everything everything going against he's your third line center and there's so many more skilled guys you could have picked instead of Nazim Kadri. but it gets worse but don't wait there's more yeah this is the real head scratcher he goes <laughs> he goes down up up and down the bench and goes to the very end and he says Nick Ritchie you're my man you're my guy and he put Nick, Nick Ritchie in well, I don't even know if he's ever shot in a shootout before honestly no he hasn't <laughs> yeah definitely not this year when the season on the line you put it what is he a third liner at best Third line, third line, line, maybe, but yeah, he's he's a third or fourth line left winger, and he put him out there. I I just don't understand In the reasoning behind this season on the line. It, the guy's got four goals, five points all season. You know what I mean? Coming over from, he's got thirteen goals all season. If you include the stuff from Arizona, he's not like a sniper. He's six three, two hundred forty pounds. Don't get me wrong, I like the big guys. But what are we doing here? Does, what do you think he's just going with his gut, going with the hunch? So this is what he had to say. He was asked about it because you got Nick uh, Ritchie over Tyler Toffoli sitting right there, Manjapani sitting right there, uh, Elias Lindholm sitting right there, and he was asked about why he went with Ritchie. He said, "Quote: Not much difference if you do the percentages or odds. You're going on practices. You're going on guys that have scored against the goalie. That's not the point. It really had no bearing on the game. The difference is those great chances in overtime." Basically nothing. There's not a single meaningful word in that answer there. I don't know what he was thinking. On the flip side, if, if Nick Ritchie does score in the play and they end up making the playoffs, does he look like the veteran coach you want with his gut that oversees all an- analytics and you got to trust your gut and the guy who's been in the league for 40 years? Or does he now that he didn't score, he looks like a dinosaur who's making poor decisions? Yeah, we don't know what happens in practice because with – when I was in the league, they would do shootouts at the end of practice, and it did have a bearing on who would shoot during the games. It, w- it would be a round robin type thing where you go and you have a couple chances, whatever. But just looking at the roster, they've had a f- lot of shootouts this year, a lot of attempts, and Rasmus Anderson's ripping along at 50%. Tyler Foley's ripping along at 50%. Backlund hasn't scored. Adam Rizika hasn't scored. Dylan Dupe, and now Nick Ritchie. Those guys have not scored in a shootout. So why put him in that position? It's such a hyper, so stressful situation, and you're throwing Nick Ritchie out there. I, I just I don't understand the reasoning behind it. It doesn't make sense to me. And now they're out of the playoffs. So it is what it is. You reap what you sow. I get it, Daryl Sutter. I, I, I think he's a great coach. <laughs> I think he has to go. I, I think he's still clinging to the – just look at how they have assembled this team. It's just a very Daryl Sutter-type team. There's four lines, and, I, and I've applauded them for this, but it doesn't work. Maybe, I, maybe I'm off my rocker, too. I thought they had a great roster, but they're missing that it factor. 
and now they're going to miss the playoffs. It's sad because it, I, I picked them to win the Stanley Cup. Isn't that no, not this year. I didn't pick them this year, last year. But I said they were going to have a really good shot at it this year. Markstrom played bad. They couldn't get timely scoring. And I, I get what he's saying about overtime. Toffoli had a couple grade A chances and he didn't score. So maybe he thought he couldn't solve UC Soros. You got to put him out there. You have to put Toffoli out there. Right? It just doesn't make sense to me. Anything else on this, Tim? Well, okay. So looking at the West, who gets that spot? Is it going to be Winnipeg? It seems like it will be, but Nashville's right there. Who do you think gets it? Well, Winnipeg just has to pick up one point because they have more regulation wins. So Winnipeg will, they've been playing great. They'll they'll squeak in with Seattle. That's it. The standings are set. I don't think there'll be much jumping around here in the West. Maybe positioning in the Central. I don't know who's going to come out on top in that division, but I think everything is pretty firmly set. I think Vegas has the Pacific outright one. Edmonton and LA will face off in the playoffs. And then Seattle's got the first wildcard position. I think we can lock in mostly the West except for the central. That'll be exciting to see how that shakes out. But again, Calgary, it, it's frustrating. I, it is very, very frustrating. We'll get Luch on the show again, see if he'll come on and talk about what what happened. You lose, like, How do you lose those games at the end of the game? The Chicago Blackhawks, the Vancouver Canucks, a crucial game against the Nashville Predators. The a big issue with them is they always give up the first goal. They seem to always come up flat. They're always chasing the game. And then they're just scratching to try to get back into the game. And in the third period, they find their legs and then it's too late. So something needs to change there. All these guys are locked into pretty pretty big contracts coming next year. Huberto's going to walk into a $10 million deal. Uyghur's deal's kicking in. So you're not you're not changing the faces. You got to figure out something in Calgary. All right. What else, Tim? Yeah, we talked about Taze last week, and, and he finally spoke about uh, his final days in Chicago. And Taze is one of those guys where if he says something, you can believe it. Same with like a Bergeron or a Crosby, because they don't speak that mind that often. So when he says something, you can sit, believe that it's going to be true. And he said, quote, for myself, I'm taking it as if these are my last games in Chicago. Not clear yet whether he intends on retiring. You think he won't. A lot of people think he will. Um, but it's probably clear that he's got maybe two left, two games left in, in Chicago as a Blackhawk and then a decision in the offseason, but he did speak on that. Yeah. I think the writing's on the wall. The good thing is, is the end of the sentence. These are my last games in Chicago. So he plans on playing next year. It'll be exciting to see where he goes in the offseason. Does he stay in Winnipeg? Hometown team, hometown kid. Maybe revamp the Jets, get rid of Pierre-Luc Dubois, bring in Johnny Taves for that third-line center role. But uh, yeah, good for him. The guy's a first-ballot Hall of Famer. It's sad to see his career kind of go this direction with the injuries. It's it's just too bad with the health, but yeah, good for him. Good on Chicago, kind of letting him play out the last few games and we'll see where he goes. That'll be exciting to see where he ends up. Cause I think unlike other friends of the show is Patrick Marlowe, Joe Thornton, he has some more in the tank that he can contribute. He's going to go in. I could see him easily putting up 50 points being a huge part of a locker room. I think he still has that in him because he hasn't played. I think he's still got some fresh legs if he just figures out this whole COVID junk that he's going through. But yeah, I don't know. He's a legend. One of the best who ever put on the uh, Blackhawk sweater. Another cool moment over the weekend. Friend of the show, Jason Demers, uh, was at 699 NHL games. And he was playing in Bakersfield, triple, uh, not triple, uh, AHL. 
and he got called up by the Oilers to play his 700 game, but kind of a little bit of a milestone for him. And he was against the Sharks too. So we got to be there with a bunch of his old buddies and everything. Really cool moment. Logan Couture spoke about how, how appreciative he was. And Demers tweeted out at both teams after it was a cool moment for a guy that who thought maybe his NHL career was over and come back and get the spotlight for one, for one special night. Yeah, it's it's Oilers coach Jay Woodcroft. He was the assistant coach in San Jose, so he's been with the Mayors for years. And so it was a really special moment, Daddy. He, um, I called him Daddy because that was his nickname. I don't know why people just called him Daddy. But uh, he, it's good for him. 700 games, you know what I mean? That, that's nothing to blow smoke at. I, I think he hadn't been in the NHL for over two years. So we saw he went to Russia. We talked to him. He went to the World Championships so or the Olympics, yeah. you know? kind of resurrected his career stuck with it not a lot of guys would do that you know kick around play in the ahl get your last chance one game so good for him he was minus one so but we won't we won't talk about that i'll text him on the side we would never mention that on the we show. would never mention that that would be just very petty but good for jason mares and nice for logan couture to kind of call it out because they're they're very good friends those two guys like J- daddy when he was in san jose he was a glue guy more so than me i i i you know, hung my hat on that good locker room guy. He was the best locker room guy you could ever have. Never had a bad day in his life. Always coming in, making guys feel comfortable, making the atmosphere loose. And he just was such a good guy. I, I don't know how else to explain it, but in that room, even with a guy like a Joe Thornton, Jason Demers was much more just amiable, like just great to be around. I play with him for one season. I could I could see him across the room and we can go and have a beer and hang out for hours. That's just the type of guy he is. He's just a very down-to-earth, fun guy to be around. So good for him. 700 games. That's that's a quite the accomplishment. All right, Tim. What else? Bo Horvat's been in the news this week. Um, I pulled out this stat. He's got he had 31 goals in 49 games with Vancouver. Really hot start to start the season. I think at one point he was top three, top five in goals. And since being traded, he's had seven goals in 27 games with the Islanders which is kind of disappointing. That's not what they thought they would get. But what's even more interesting, they had a, um, a big win the other night and in, in Long Island. And he was interviewed after the game about the atmosphere, the fans, the energy. And he said, it's better than Vancouver. I don't mind telling you that. And so the Canucks fans are pissed, obviously. And they're calling him out. There's some bar that has like a FU uh, Horvat sign outside it now. Like there, it, it, And then he had to clarify it the next game. Uh, I didn't mean against... Them personally, when I said that it's better than better than Vancouver, I didn't mean that. But you got to kind of walk it back. I have I have no problem with that. I mean, I'm sure hate, it's not nice to hear, but yeah, don't it's apologize. It's honest. Yeah, don't apologize. I hate that. It's like why? Just because a couple of people got upset, no one's allowed to be upset these days. No, Vancouver sucked. It wasn't fun to play there. Just say it. It was too intense. Our teams were garbage, and it's fun to be in the New York Islanders. I, who, are, are we not allowed to offend people anymore? Is that is that no. the age we live in? You can't. No, no. no one no. can get upset. Everybody has to feel good. And I hate that he apologized. I hate it. I saw that. I read that. I was like, don't apologize, Bo. Don't, it, they, this is how it should have went. He should have made the comment. The next day, he should have came back. And the reporter was, you're getting a lot of uh, bad you know, feedback from Vancouver. And Bo should have went, so what? And? And that should have been it. Well, they're really upset with the, how you said, you know, it's a little better Vancouver. It is. So what? You know, they're, upset. Like, they're really upset at you, Bo. I don't care. Sure. 
I'm sure this is something you've learned being married for so long, but like, I'm sorry you feel that way is not an apology, right? It's like you're conceding something, but you're not actually saying the words. I'm sorry. You're, you're saying how you're reacting is the problem, not what I said. That's what he should have said. Vancouver Canucks fans, if you're upset, I'm sorry that you feel that way. No, I, don't even say the words I'm sorry, because then some people could just take it and be like, oh, he's sorry. People need to just not have their feelings wrapped up into everything all the time and to think it's just like a personal attack. He was more commenting on how great it is on the island, right? It's like, it's fun. We're in the playoff chase. And then people just get the people look to get upset these days. Instead of looking for the good in things, they look to, oh, how can I be upset at this? How can I ruin this guy's day and make him apologize to me? Because I want to I want to be the victim. Since when is it good? to? Uh, that's a whole other thing. You Why is it good to be a victim? I don't understand. It, it used to be like a bad thing to be a victim. Now it's great. Everybody wants to be the victim. It's like, ugh. Yeah. He even said in his statement, it's one of those things where my emotions got the best out of me. It's uh, like, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. You were just you're telling the truth. Yeah. You were honest for a second, and then you and then you got now you have to regret it. That's exactly what it is. You were honest, and you should not have been. You always have to lie. You just have to tell them what they want to hear. Oh, I love Vancouver, and I love the New York Islanders. I love everything. All the fans are the best, and all the cities are the best. And I'm just so happy to be anywhere. Thank you. I'm so happy for my time in Vancouver when we were just a train wreck, and the fans hated us, and they wanted to be traded. It was great. But now I'm gone, and I got to say they were so great. Everything was fantastic. Butterflies, rainbows. Ugh, it's exhausting, Vancouver. All right. They have good sushi, though. Oh, incredible sushi. You never mentioned that. That was as soon as we saw the, the coastline when coming down, we're like, let's go. Like as soon as we, we hit the tarmac, we'd get to the hotel, Four Seasons, of course. We'd dump our bags. We wouldn't even change right to the sushi bar and we would just be there gorging ourselves in fresh caught tuna salmon all this i can't eat crustacean because they get sick but the other guys were doing lobsters and shrimp and tim you've never experienced sushi until you go to vancouver and get sushi there like a, they're one of the rolls is called a tuna rocket beautiful um, display it's like a cone and stuff with tuna and sesame seeds and some wasabi saw oh my gosh we gotta reach it, out to this place and get them to be a sponsor they would they wouldn't even give me the time of day they don't need it they don't need to advertise they're so good and the, it's a beautiful restaurant overlooking the ocean like there's fire pits everywhere and you're you're dropping at least a couple hundred dollars if you're going to do this the right way because you want to do a little sake right the sake's delicious. You want to get a little uh, beer, Sapporo, or a nigiri, and you get. We want to have yourself a time. That's oh, so good. That's what I miss about playing in the NHL. Stuff like that, going out to eat, the experience of it, sitting around with the boys. It's just, oh, I miss it. We were driving to church the other day, and it was. It's like a half an hour drive, and the whole drive, the whole drive, all they were talking about was Easter dresses. The whole drive. Am I going to be able to wear one of those Easter hats? I want to wear the one with the flowers. I want the frills. I want this. I want the sweater. I want the sandals. I want the the, the shoes that I can show my toes. I'm just like the whole time. I'm like, what am I doing? This is my life. And I'm just like, this is so incredibly boring to me. I want to just like drive this car off the road into the ditch just so I can just get out of this conversation. It's maddening. It honestly is mad. No interest in this stuff whatsoever. 
can you, should I do a French braid? Should I do a high? Should I do a low? What kind of, should I wear a bow or should I wear a headband? It's like, Ugh. is this only among the kids or is Danielle? Also- oh, Danielle's right into it. Yeah, yeah, she's involved because she wants them to look nice for Easter. Then they get to me, Dad, what are you going to wear? I'm like, the same thing I wear every Sunday. Maybe I'll put a tie on, you know, just, oh, that'll look nice. I'm like, you don't care about what I, it's just, it's so like this. It's so feminine. I miss just having the guys talk or like, you know, I do miss it. I miss it a lot, but it's okay to miss things. It's okay. But anyways, we got to get a little trivia here, Tim. The last one. Just a little something, something that cooked up. Yeah. There's two players in the NHL right now that have 100 plus penalty minutes and more than 75 points. Who are they? Don't look. Well, I think the first player that comes to mind is a Brad Marchand. Does he have 75 points? Uh, I know he was injured, so I don't know. But is it him? No, he doesn't have a hundred plus pims either. And then the other player I was going to say would be Matthew Kachuk. It's Matthew Kachuk and Brady Kachuk. No, cool. the brothers. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Talk about a complete player, right? Isn't that nice. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the prototypical player. Put up some points. Get some penalty minutes, be effective in all facets of the game. I think it's great. You bring the energy. There should be a, a, a trophy for let's give trophies to everybody. There should be a trophy for this. Most pims and most points. You're the trophy generation, John. It's not me. What, shouldn't there be a, a trophy for most penalty minutes? What would that call? The, the Tiger Williams trophy? Yeah. Ty Domi. Um, no, Tiger Williams. He's got the most pims, I think. Domi has the most fights. Listen, I just out of curiosity, I looked at um, the year that Corey Perry had 50 goals. He had 104 pims. He had 100 plus pims five years in a row, first few years of his career. That's a good player. Well, has your thought process on Corey Perry changed a little bit just because he's honestly become the greasiest player in the NHL the last four years, like just a dirtbag? Or has that been always Corey Perry, but he's offset it with a high end skill? But now that the skill's gone, He's just a dirtbag, and he embraces it. When you take away the skill, what's left? It's just a, a dirtbag. Yeah. He honestly is. Every time there's a Tampa Bay highlight of a scrum, like Corey Perry's at the bottom. He has to be. And sure enough, there he is. And then you get Pat Maroon sticks his nose in there. The guy's a yeah. terrible fighter, Pat Maroon. I just, <laughs> him and Austin Watson, stop fighting. Both of them. Stop fighting. I don't. Now you got Tanner Janot. I like that. He's hurt, though, which could be a big deal for the Tampa Bay Lightning coming into the playoffs. He was he was going to be a big piece of that team coming into the playoffs. And I want to break into that playoff series very, very soon because it's a completely different animal this year. Tampa Bay is a different team. Toronto's a different team. I know the names are the same, but I just think this is Toronto's year. I truly believe it. I don't think Tampa's got the horses on the back end. And don't look now. Ryan McDonough and the Nashville Predators, if they slide in, Mac's going to be making the playoffs for like the 15th out of his 17th year. It's going to be incredible, but lots to talk about. Let's get out of here. Tim's got to get on the road, get to New York. I'm getting a call from Quinn Raftery right now, friend of the show. The guy never stops calling me. So I'm going to take this and be on the phone with him for the next three hours. I hope everybody had a good Easter. I hope you're having a good Tuesday. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Tim, does that work for you? I'll see what I can do. I'll make it work. All right. You will. You always do. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll talk to you then. Cheers.
Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 